Welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast. Episode 25, I Jen Can't Believe He's Not Arcanists. Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we're back. Okay, we're just having to just have that long long silence in there so people thought something has gone horribly wrong with the audio keep them on their toes you know what's no one has that i don't think anyone has noticed or at least pointed out the uh, easter egg from the anniversary episode i feel kind of sad oh i loved it yeah okay all of you out there go and go ahead and figure out the easter egg it's it's pretty obvious and no one listens to us hi i'm your host doug of steam powered scoundrels and with me today is roman why hello and Nate. Hi! And Samantha! Hello. New person. Hooray. I just realized that like, I always say Nate first. I I mean, no, Nate, Nate goes last. I always say Nate last. I always say Roman yeah. first. Nate, Nate's last. Is Nate offended by this? No, Nate is not at all offended by this. I know where I rank. Well, color commentator always comes second, right? Yeah. You're about as colorful as they come. Yeah. He's very green. It's, it's you know, like, and featuring... <laughs> Yeah, and with us in the SBS studio is Victoria. Say hi. Hello. Yeah, she, she's just she's just listening in. And Briar, say hello. Briar, put my phone down. <laughs> Briar is eight is nine, ten months old, and she is massive, and she might Yay. be making some noise. I apologize for that. We are recording, right? Hope so. I'm just not on the ball today. It seems. Briar. No, the harvest snaps are not yours, Briar. Do you want snacks? She she will always eat. Please, mother, feed me. I'm dying. <laughs> Starving, baby. Hooray, snack time. Alright. What are we doing today? <laughs> Today's episode, we will be going over all the full, all the cool new reveals that Weird has laid upon us over the Gen Con, the online Gen Con, the Gen Can't, as it were. We're going to go ahead and do a little bit of dissecting as well as, you know, just putting all the information out there for you. And then we'll do a little bit of speculation, a little bit of uh, crunch talk as we're going over what we do know and possibly what you could do with that stuff. There isn't a whole ton, but what there is there, we'll give it a good old shot. We're not the most meta-focused people out there, but we, we try when we can. We're doing you a service, so enjoy it. Damn it. We're trying our best. Well, we didn't get to have a point out that, that we may not be meta focused, but we are, uh, as Craig called out quite a few times in the uh, various uh, streams, we are the, the fluff nerds. And if you're trying to piece together what may be coming in Explorers, Malfo, they love to pull from their previous fluff, and nobody knows it better than we do, specifically you. Oh, you listeners, you out there, you know more than we do. Oh, you mean me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks. I do no try. Mr. All right, Mister Doug with his PhD in Malifaux history, with his willingness to buy the books and read them, even though I'm probably never going to play the other side. Although I'd really like to. It's super fun. It's not a case of like not having the. It's a case of not having the time because children and podcasts. Chill right. Nice. I'm just going way off. Just, just to, okay. You know what? Let's 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 keep on topic. 
Let's go down our reveals here. We've got stuff for the other side, stuff for Through the Breach, stuff for Malifaux. A lot of stuff for Malifaux. Mostly stuff for Malifaux, but obviously it's their main game, so can you really blame them? Okay, the other side. We get a... No, we've seen it before, actually. Sorry, I was going to say it's a new thing, but it's not a new thing. They're talking about the starter box. Hooray. I'm excited for this because I feel like it was one of the things that they really needed to start selling it to other people. Obviously, like, the concept's great. The gameplay is great. But since all of the bad luck they've had with distributing the game, they kind of need something to start getting people reinterested in it besides us gushing about how cool it is. So, if you weren't aware when they revealed it initially, they basically said, yes, it's still coming out. They're working on it. They go ahead and confirm all the models that are in it. And then the big information they drop on us is that all these models will be fully convertible to 3rd edition. So, uh, Roman, you want to talk about the new guild models? Yeah. Uh, so, we, we know that there's going to be Sonya uh, sporting her fancy new haircut, which, with as much as I dislike playing guild, uh, I am looking forward to this. Because uh, that she she's one of the guild crews that I want to play, but I like that new sculpt. The little bit that that Kyle and Matt mentioned about how she works is very board control with uh, Titan sized fireball plates, essentially. So, and those those are I think 120 mils. So basically, throw a CD out. That's that's your uh, blast for Sonya, which I feel is thematic in a way that. Uh, you can't get in Malifaux. But we have those. We have, or we have her. We have the guild mages, who I, Doug, correct me, but I don't think we've gotten any specifics on what they do other than guild magic. I think, uh, no, they actually have the cards. I just don't have the most, I don't have the biggest knowledge on exactly what the cards do. They were described as being a somewhat tricksy, so my first guess would have been prestidigitation type mages, but. I think the cards are relatively straightforward. So, you know, we can take a time out and go and look in them. You guys know how to read the other side cards? Moderately. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, take Where a Where are they, is my question. I've just been Googling the other side. So they have what appears to be not necessarily the full equivalent, but kind of the other side equivalent of a counterspell. Yeah, essentially, that's what by the authority of the guild is saying, according to this Waldo's Weekly from a while back. The more important part is it's not based on triggers, it's based on if they try to do a morale action, which, among other things, morale actions is how you claim objectives. So you can just sit these guys near an objective and go, no, 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 which feels very guild tyrannical to me. So I, I feel like that's really cool, and if they function similarly in in Malifaux, uh, presumably that would be some kind of I'm thinking either chatty or like a, a more aggressive chatty would be similar, and that would be very helpful for how the guild kind of plays. Basically putting other people on their uh, need to kill things before they can scheme. Is, is how I see them anyway. But yeah, I would hope really so. There's already counterspell present in guilds, so we don't need uh, more models with counterspell. Although these look like they'd actually be able to take a hit 
uh, while staying within six inches of the enemy, which isn't always true of our current counterspell models, but something which allowed us to either mess with interacts happening or with, uh, oh, marker manipulation would be equally welcome. Yeah, so marker manipulation would be solid. I think that's, I guess that does kind of go back to the idea that they might be a prestidigitation type model, because at least if if they're going to be witch hunters, assuming they come in with Sonya, which, I mean, they could be, they could just be regular versatiles. Sonya already has the Thalarians, which were kind of on a sort of denial basis, and sanctioned spellcasters, which is a more of a sorcery type thing. So, assuming she's not allowed to bring necromancers, that'd be the only type of magic she doesn't tech, doesn't have on hand quite yet. Oh, that's just that's just a guess. I mean, it'd be hilarious that they have some people that are like, "Hey, your magic's totally cool," and then other people are like, "Hey, uh, put this bomb collar on, and then you're our slave." Yeah. What else we got? Uh, the other one for the guild side of things is the Gatling Gunners, uh, which looking up their card that was released a while back, they have they they look like essentially a less mobile samurai, as far as what they would do combined with their art. Instead of carrying the gun, it's kind of sitting on some sandbags. But like they have a an other side ability called Ready for the for a Charge that essentially works. Like the, I forget what the name of it is, Samantha, if you know it offhand, jump in. The thing that the guild riflemen have that say if you charge within X range, you take a damage. Blah. God, I know there's yeah. too, a couple a couple models have it besides the riflemen. Yeah, but it, to kind of translate between the two, that I, if they ended up having something like that in Malifaux, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Other than that, as you would expect, they have a Gatling gun. Which, good for them. More more guns for guild. Go go guns. Yay. Maybe Stand they can actually be as good as Ten Thunders Gatling guns. Stand and fire. There it is, yeah. Well, this is squat and fire. Brace and fire? Yeah. I'm really excited for these guys because the guild has always been, like, the firepower dudes. The dudes with the most guns. Yeah, for some reason, they've just haven't been wielding a Gatling gun, and they just let the Ten Thunders do it, which kind of ticked me <coughs> off. Dead man's hand. <coughs> okay, yeah. I, I, does he actually have a Gatling gun? I thought it was a different like machine gun. No, it's definitely a Gatling gun. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and the- Melissa Core has one, too, doesn't she? Yeah, but uh, her stat's lower by one, so ah. I prefer to take Ryle unavailable. That's fair. Okay, so basically... Not to say that running gun with a Gatling gun is a bad thing. It is not. That's yeah. That's some expedience. The thing oh, that always threw me off about Melissa was the fact that the that that her Gatling doesn't have a positive. And I'm fairly sure it's the only Gatling that doesn't. Believe so. Does it have other benefits besides that? Like, can it be uh, explained away? Not really. Uh, she can cheat. Uh, if she cheats damage, she can draw a card, providing some of the very limited card draw available to augmented, but. Uh, and augmented being augmented, she can get positive flips whenever she likes. But other than that, positive flip doesn't seem to be part of her Gatling gun, and therefore not of Gatling guns in general anymore. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Well, uh, we'll finally get, and I don't think those are Gatling guns either, are they? Uh, what's yeah, the, no, they're, what's they're the more term? like just 
I know. I recognize that gun shape. God damn. Give me, give me yeah, a second. I don't know the actual proper term either. But I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a Vickers. That's what it is. The term I was looking for here was Maxim Gun. Which, surprisingly enough, only had one barrel. Mm. Yeah, okay. But yeah, this is... Well, I, I, I would say it's an it's iconic World War One gun. Which was just an absolutely effing brutal war. And this was one of the reasons why. is because people didn't realize you couldn't just run at the enemy and not get gunned down by, you know, the dozens, the hundreds. And so, this is a definitely very historical-looking model, which makes me excited. And I kind of wanted to play the um, King's Empire anyway, so I might be getting this box and give me an excuse to try to play the game. Huzzah! Okay. Um, Nate, why don't you go ahead and talk about our ghosty boys? Yeah, so we got Karai as well. And she's got a couple new ghosts. We've got Enslaved Spirits, and how how's that other one pronounced? Gwissen. Gwissen? Which are horrible and gross, like, like, like the gal, like the girl from the ring, but like missing half her body. <laughs> yeah, it's the girl from the ring, but once she comes out of the TV, it's just like entrails and stuff. Like she forgot her lower half. Yeah, it's like it's like the TV was broken and like just pulling cut, herself over broken. Just cut glass. her off halfway awful. through. Just yeah. awful. Uh, <laughs> who made it to Penanglin? Yeah, basically, yes. Half Penangolin. Oh, yeah. Um, do you recall what they talked about, what each of the models did? I don't remember what they said about Karai herself. Uh, looks like the Gwissin, their thing's kind of cool, where they, they basically slowly get stronger as the game goes. So I'd be curious to see how that translates into Malifaux. Just like, turn by turn, they get stronger. But Kirai. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what they said about her. I would venture to guess she probably summons. Yeah, probably probably focuses uh, in other side that'd be reinforced, so I'd imagine she's probably more of a support piece to Sonya's blowing up with fire. Alright, so she's probably reinforcing the Gwissin are one gross and two I think they're the ones that could that were could split up and move independently. Yeah, yeah, they can operate independently. And then the the enslaved spirits were like bodyguards can take hits for characters, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah they, they look like they're supposed to basically tar pit and be annoying. What? Rezzers? Tar pit? Annoying? Yeah, you know. No. But it's ghosts instead of corpses. Well, I would argue that the Gwissin are at least partially corpses. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But the enslaved spirits are definitely ghosts. Definitely ghosts. Okay. Doesn't get much more ghost than spirit. <laughs> Alright guys, any other comments on the uh, starter box? No? I'm excited to hear that they're they're A, still doing it, and B, just saying, hey, we're waiting for the, the pandemic and everything to quiet down to give the game the best chance it has given, as has been said a few times, the number of black jokers it's been flipped in real life, because the couple times I've played it, it just moves real smooth, and I hope it it gets a good kind of second release here to really take off because I would love to see it become a major player. Samantha, anything? I wonder if there will be more take up of the other side as we come back together just because it is on a 4x6 board instead of a 3x3 where we get a tad bit crowded. Oh yeah, that actually makes mm. a lot of sense. I've been wondering about the logistics of 
restarting, particularly here where our uh, game stores are still capped at 10 people inside and have uh, the gaming areas fenced off until, I believe, the end of November was uh, the current expiration date. Travis County, don't mess around. Well, that's smart. Shut up, Wednesday. <laughs> Shut up! We're a professional podcast and you're ruining everything! Okay, well, I'm excited for... I guess it was pointed out. I, I really like the new skulls we have of the Masters. Excited that we'll have a, a crid that is not wearing a mask and isn't the first edition version. I'm sorry, I just don't really like that skull very much. And we got Kirai, who's now on both sets of toes instead of just one set of toes. Yeah, but she's still got them like real close, so it's still only going to be one contact point. It's still better than it was. True. She's getting better. She's improving. That's it's all we can hope for. Maybe maybe next time she'll be on one foot again, but it'll be fully planted. <laughs> we can we can hope. All right. Uh, that was I think the only thing that really dropped for the other side. Uh, there the was app. the app. Oh mm, yes, yeah. the app brought to you by the exact same people that are doing have done the Malifaux Third Edition app. So I am, I guess I'm excited for that. Just be able to like look at models and sort of get ahead my head around playing the game when I start it up. Yeah, um, it'd be nice. Is it more exciting for you guys because you've actually played the game? It will be wonderful to have the rules at a glance there. Uh, yeah, I had only borrowed the core rulebook, so that's why I'm so terribly shaky on the rules. I got but it. to be able to flip through it and actually perhaps uh, memorize what I'm supposed to be doing at any given point. That'll help sell it. I got the small rulebook version as like a gift for doing the, the breach character sheets, and then I got the big rulebook on sale at my local game store, I think, for Black Friday, and I have not read the fluff in it, and I am ashamed that I did not get <laughs> that one question. Man. That was a sudden uptick in difficulty, I feel. Yep. If you guys were present for that. A necessary uptick in difficulty, but yes, it was very impressive to see the chat go from 20 answers to zero. <laughs> I didn't know it was possible for that to be Malifaux fluff that you hadn't read. Technically, it's not Malifaux fluff, it's the other side fluff. <laughs> Doug, you're technically correct. The best type of correct. Kind of correct. <laughs> I, I know for me, the app, the, the couple games I've played, while fun, it, it's definitely a bit of a disconnect to realize how much you use, uh, not necessarily app, but like established systems for tracking stuff in Malifaux. And then whenever you go to the other side, while it, it's simpler to track things, it's just adapting to a new system, and I'm hoping having the app for the other side will help minimize the different types of things I need to carry around for it to track stuff. I can't say I had that problem, but that I couldn't uh, seem to mimic it with wet erase markers very quickly. <laughs> was throwing me a bit because I'm not a token user. Well, Same. we'll see how the app handles it. Okay, moving on. Through the Breach is... A dark fantasy RPG. <laughs> wait, wait, Doug, I need you to go into the, like, uh, RPG, like, every rulebook ever intro to, like, what is an RPG, if we're gonna do this. Oh, no, actually, I was I was referencing Raid Shadow Legends in that joke. Oh, God. Okay, God. Oh, no. Raid Shadow Legends. 
This is not Raid Shadow Legends. This is actually a good game, people. Next next week, Steam Pirate Scoundrels, sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. Uh, no, like, good God. Would, I, I would be genuinely surprised if someone wants to sponsor us. <laughs> are, are you the butt guys? Yes, we're the butt guys. Okay, through the breach, um, did a little bit of talking. Not a lot of drops. Obviously, a little bit more discussed than the other side, but uh, talking about kind of their philosophy as far as doing one-shots and Penny Dreadfuls and all that other stuff. We got a nice little hint at a couple of Penny Dreadfuls coming up that I'm excited for. One where you go to the moon! Moons. The moon! One, one of the moons. Like, they said going to the moon, but there are two. And they didn't specify there which one. Two. Oh, the no. player characters are going to are going to space. What guarantee do we have that they'll still have two rem- moons remaining after the players have gotten there? Okay, fair. <laughs> you know, actually, that makes the most sense, because they blow up the moon, and then it starts raining meteors. And you know who hates meteors? Dinosaurs. <laughs> Dinosaurs. <laughs> Malasaurus Rip. Rex, dead man's hey. hand confirmed. F in chat for the Malasaurus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to look at uh, Vernon and Wells, a couple of scientists that are involved in this uh, expedition somehow. And they also dropped that those models will be versatiles for the upcoming and uh, Explorer Society. Vernon and Wells being allusions to Jules Verne and H.G. Wells. Yes. 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 Okay. Sorry. Yes. I keep wanting to say Orson Welles is my problem. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Two f- prolific authors that uh, are pretty good, well-referenced. The, the picture, if you go and look at it, and then you go look up artwork for the time machine, like cover art or from like the movies, uh, yeah, they're basically writing in that. Okay, uh, does anyone want to talk about the big reveal, though? Me? Okay, I'll talk about the big reveal. From Nightmares is coming out. They didn't specify when, but they gave us a nice little teaser. One, the Behemoth Pursuit, which looks so cool, Mm. gives me the confused feelings. We have a lovely Nephilim lady that is very large, wielding a very large hammer. And I'm super excited that we finally get, like, a big bruiser class. We have have fighting uh, pursuits, not class. We have several fighty pursuits, but nothing... um, quite like, hey, I'm made of beef and will hit you with big things. Smash. Kind of a kind of a pursuit. And uh, this will be really cool. I want to build a character on it already. They also revealed that uh, you will be able to play as a Nephilim and a Half-Blood and a Woe. And they said others, so I'm not entirely sure what else it could be. It could be a Mimic. It could be a Puppet. It could be think those are the only other two that would be missing. Am I missing any? I mean, fake. I guess Behemoth be maybe fake. covers it, but Savage or Giant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we could have Savage, could have Giant, could have Faye. I guess I guess just Giant. Could big, have big thing. Could have whatever name you want to give Zoraida for human who managed to survive long enough to have people forget they're human. A crone. There you go. Not a bad Old woman. Actually. A non half blood, a non half blood route to human background, never born player. And um, the only other specific reveal they gave us was the vagabond shrub, which is adorable. 
It's it's an angry bush that will probably yeah. attack you. I'm assuming it'll attack you. And some and some and some razor grass, but those aren't as charming as the vagabond shrub. As More plants. Talking as a fate master, I'm like really excited for this. Honestly, mostly about the pursuits, because it's always a good chance to fill in some holes of things that they kind of needed but haven't had yet, like the behemoth. I'm not entirely sure how difficult it's going to be to run Nephilim, I mean, uh, Neverborn characters, because I feel like they could very easily take over the narr- narrative and anything they've run into just because of the way Neverborn politics work, but I could be wrong. I feel like it'd be more. It'd be the one book where most of the time it'd be much easier just to have everyone run a character from the same book. Everyone being ever born. Um, yeah, yeah. But I don't. I haven't. Um, not sure what it's going to entail yet. It could be very easy to mix them together, but we will see. I'm sure it will be exciting. But that's through the breach. And, um, I mean, that's it for all of their games. So we can call it a night. Thank you. And, uh, as I always say, fun <laughs> as always. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I there's got no other important games that Weird Produces. I'm pretty sure not a ma- single one. I'm pretty sure they made the same exact joke, so I'm he stealing. Held from a them. straight face for much longer in that than I thought. I I've had I've had a hard seltzer. Okay, so I don't know what I'm trying. What the point I'm trying to make is Malfo Third Edition is a game. It's a dark fantasy RPG. Um, <laughs> oh wait, wait! I thought the big big reveal was more uh, darkness comes rattling. Ooh, I want that game. Can I, I, that game? I haven't played it yet, but I have it. <laughs> we'll have to play it sometime when we're allowed to meet in person. Yes. Yes. Okay, first and foremost, the most important point that I have to make, everyone listen here, Matt, <laughs> Matt does not know how to pronounce Frycor. I'm sorry, <laughs> I know he's a developer, but it's Frycor. It is German. That's how you pronounce that word. I will die on this hill. Fight me. <laughs> Anyways, actual news. Um, yeah, everyone's aware of it, but Malfo 1988 came out, and it is so damn cool. We all saw what the models look like. I'm so excited to get my box, and we also got to look at a very cool model that is going to come with in the in the form of Fat Cap, which is the Metal Golem, and he has some very sexy thighs on him. Kind of a mech-looking thing. I don't. I don't know if they're going to say hey, this is piloted by someone. But I feel like there should be a pilot in there. It looks like there's a pilot in there. It looks like the pilot is also a robot. So you have a <gasps> robot nested inside a robot for a sort of Matryoshka doll effect. Matryoshka robot. And maybe that's what. Assuming they eventually show these too, maybe if they have metal gammon that match the aesthetic, maybe that will be what turns into the uh, pilot robot. I'm still hoping for robot tentacles. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Nothing can be robot tentacles. Uh, first up, I want to point out I'm a very smart person, and Weird needs to encode the damn passwords, because you don't leave it out in naked binary what your damn password is. The the, the um, mm. Waldo Weekly, where they revealed the box, they said it was something like loading password, and you just had a bunch of binary. And if you just go to a binary converter, it says Malifaux 1988. Yeah. You don't use your name as the password either. Come on, weird. Yeah, you just you just make your password password. Yeah. Boo. I guess we never to point out there's another Penny Dreadful in the works that is supposed to be of this aesthetic, which I am not entirely sure what that entails. 
However, just going off of the name, which is Into the Logic Engine, I kind of assume that you get eaten by a computer. I mean, again, they've they've we've already seen you know through their breach go back in time, so we might as well go the other way. Yeah, but I, also, I, also the password has perf- is perfectly well concealed for 1988 standards. Okay, All this fair. nonsense about uh, not making it in clear text that came later. It includes capital letters, lowercase letters, numbers, and punctuation. Yeah, you got it all. I'm going to use this at work. It's better than most of my passwords. <laughs> but yeah, uh, mm. actually, I'm just also I, I'm just going back. I'm really excited for Into the Logic Engine because um, I don't know. Like, who would actually be mad if Weird had a branch off game where it's this aesthetic? Anyone? Not at all. No. Literally no one. It would be so cool, and then we could just, like, give a middle finger to Infinity, like, hey, this is a better game. Okay, I feel like that's unnecessarily mean. However, I'm definitely going to use one of their motorcycles for a conversion. Ramos moved over to Nomads. You cannot convince me otherwise. He took one look at their network and said, Arachne, you say? Okay, so we gushed over the box one more time, got to see them build a render for Fat Cap. That was sexy. Okay, so, I don't know if you all know this, but apparently they're coming out with an 8th faction. Oh shit, really? <gasps> yeah, what? crazy talk. I hadn't heard. Finally coming out with those 10 Thunders from the fluff books I've read so much about? <laughs> Why you gotta ruin it? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's finally the release of the 20 Thunders. Oh, God, uh, no. Oh. Nothing worse than 20 Thunders. <laughs> it's just it's everything just... in 10 Thunders, but twice as good. No, okay, you know, actually it should be 5 Thunders, because no one can be the 10 Thunders except for the 10 Thunders, so it's everything in 10 Thunders, but it's balanced. Oh. Big oof. Hey, they decide not to invite me on to host anything for them, so I can be as <laughs> salty as I want. I wonder why. <laughs> I have no idea why they wouldn't want to do anything with me. We're we are perfect. Self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> filter? Maybe what I, filter? Maybe I should stop calling them <laughs> names or mocking them. No, I won't. We'll have to deal with it. <laughs> no, it's weird who is wrong. <laughs> no one is weird who is wrong. Okay, they actually gave us a little bit of insight into building the, uh, the Explorer Society, which is the 8th faction, if you've been living under two rocks. But it wasn't always the case, which was a really exciting bit of information for me. I guess initially it came down to either the Explorers or a split between the Arcanists and the MNSU, which had me all kinds of excited, because that actually makes a lot of of sense. They said it in the the stream, but yeah, the Arcanists weren't in the most stable of positions at the end of 2E, so I could definitely have seen them breaking off. However, I realize they probably didn't for fluff reasons, because I'm going to I'm gonna say some opinions here, but I feel like the MNSU by itself is too wholesome. In a, in a sense good, that, like, pure. yeah, all of the factions have, like, parts about them that are technically good and parts of them that are technically bad, but the MNSU, you can't really argue that wanting fair rights for people is a bad thing, and that's kind of all they really are. It's really the Arcanist side of them that gets more into the shady, terroristy stuff. Well, so, I mean, you did have kind of the angle of the union corruption, but that all went away with Ramos, so... Yeah, yeah. Ramos was literally the only thing in the union that was corrupt. You heard it here <laughs> first, folks. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but, union uh, corruption solved. 
I think they had a throwaway mention that there was also at one point an idea, and I don't know how serious they were when they said it, but they were going to have something along the lines of uh, the old soldiers faction? Hmm. With a reference to that, that there's a lot of old dudes in Malifaux. <laughs> I don't... I old could, man squad. Like, the only thing I can think of is, like, you could have... Probably Von Schill would be in would be a dual faction master in that case. Because yeah, he's yeah. old, and he's a soldier. But who else do you get? And I can kind of see the reasoning behind it, because still, the world... The Earthside is still coming off of a lot of conflict. I realize that the Black Powder Wars actually didn't last 100 years. Only, like, 13 but the aftermath of it, there was probably still lots of smaller conflicts. Just what we picture as a world war only lasted about 13 years. Yeah. But still. I mean, old soldiers. Pull, old off, so- pull Dashiell away from Guild because he's an old soldier by now. He's survived how many years? Almost yeah. 10 in Malifaux? Yeah, that's uh, fair. I gotta say at least two, but it still, <laughs> makes you an, it still makes you an old soldier in the Guild. Yep. Okay, so... We got the explorers, and we got a whole lot of information on one of the keywords, a little bit of an information on another keyword. We already know two of the keywords, so I guess the, the question now is what are the other four, and we'll get into them later. But first up, they said that crew boxes and the new book will be available in November. Exciting. So I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing a Black Friday sale. I mean, that makes the most sense. Make all the fucking money. Uh, new book will have four stories, which excites me as well, because I think all the other books had three. So, obviously, we just need a, another book to come out that's just an extra story for all the other seven factions, and then we'll be nice and even. Make it happen. Prior, no. Sounds like a natural progression. Bad baby. Okay. <laughs> so, got the crew box coming out in November, got a new book. I would assume that Cooper... Sorry, Lord Cooper. Sorry, Lord Justin Cooper. Sorry, Lord Justinian Beelzebub Cooper. <laughs> you heard it first here, folks. Beelzebub is his middle name. Actually, I, no. I'll just, I'll just keep, I'll just keep going. Uh, we also got to look at something called a bellhop porter, which is the closest thing I think we have to a steam-powered scoundrels-inspired model. He, he kind of looks like our logo a little bit. It, it, it really kind of does. He's a very chunky boy. And he He's carries many adorable. many a package. I have no idea what keyword he would be in. First guess would be like a versatile model just because we haven't seen anything about like traveling? I uh, mean, he's he looks like something that would go with any explorer themed. Mm-hmm. Although I admit to a passing amount of surprise that uh, Ape, he wasn't Apex uh, revealed as Something to help carry the game home. Mm. Could maybe go with Winston Finn again. Yeah, let me sure. Ultimately, sure, that guy has a lot of baggage. Yeah. Ultimately, like if you're if you are an explorer and you are going on some kind of safari or expedition or whatever word you want to give for it, you want someone to carry your bags. So I can totally see this guy being personal. He's the bag. He's a bag boy. He carries the bags. I don't know what yeah. he does though. Like what? what wait, 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 wait. The steam power scoundrels themed model is carrying a lot of baggage. <laughs> oh damn! Oh damn! Like if it's a robot based on us, then the people just hand him the bags and then he dumps them on the ground <laughs> in drop. front of them. I'm not a part of your system, beep boop. <laughs> 
Now I know what I'm modeling face as. What is my purpose? You carry the bags. Oh my god. Fuck is that? <laughs> I I can see it now. Uh just just have a an ability called Steam Powered Scoundrel. Friendly models can take and interact within six inches of this one uh, to give it a bag, and it immediately drops it according and flip a, a card. And depending on what the card is, that's the type of token it drops. <laughs> My cabbages has to be one of the ten triggers. Bill <laughs> oh, no. Porter, the only robot to correct his creator on how his name is pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, robot dude made of balls. Also got a look at... I mean, if he's, he was the other one that they showed us how they made the render. And yeah, he's just a lot of balls. It is a lot of balls. It's just You're a ball... He's just, he's just a ball boy. over the balls. Okay, we got a look at um, some other models. Now, we definitely know the effigy and emissary are versatile because they're, they have to be. That would be just the dumbest thing. Keyworded emissary. <laughs> it's a keyworded emissary. More or less, basically, just the, the Neverborn emissary, then. It's the effigy is one of the, the masters, and the emissary is one of the masters, and the effigy is its totem. But the before and after ability. Okay, I'll, perfect I'll, I'll shush. <laughs> he is very cute. He doesn't look like a, a construct at all. I'm not sure what Zoraida was drinking when she made him. He looks... I think she just stuffed a gremlin. He looks like a blue gremlin. <laughs> just yep. painted a gremlin blue. You're yep, a construct. Just, if anyone asks, you're a puppet. Now go. Mama needs more Zima. <laughs> she found a spare dead gremlin. Did some necromancy. Gave him a lion hat and said go. You're free. You got this. Explore is not gonna live through the night. <laughs> Um, but, oh my god, the emissary is too fucking cool looking. Yeah, it is. It is a Spartan lion man. So I guess he guards the, like, mansion or whatever they, they do their exploration staying in. And I'm jealous of it. Actually, I'm kind of jealous of both of their cards. The effigy seems useful and the emissary seems very, very useful. But we'll go ahead and get into crunch later on. So uh, any thoughts on the effigy and emissary guys before we move on? I'm glad that they announced that they're coming out uh, in November, that they'll be in the initial uh, wave. Oh, yeah, that's a good move. I feel like they'd have to put out all the versatiles, or the vast majority of them. Okay, let's go on and get into the keyword we know the most about, and that is the Apex keyword. And the Apex keyword is, of course, run by none other than Lord Justinian Vladimir Cooper. He, he himself, apparently, according to them, he is so much robot that he doesn't have the living keyword. And that's, I don't want to say a tough pill to swallow, but we have things like Howard Langston. So, um, I can only assume that he is just a head on a robot body, kind of like uh, President Nixon from Futurama. <laughs> God damn it. Actually, now that I think about that, might have to be a conversion. I mean, it's just one switching one president for another, right? <laughs> oh god moving forward um yes man robot body big gun have we seen any of his stuff before this or is all the cards reveal new um I know we've seen his art I don't think we've seen his cards okay 
Well, I think we all kind of had an idea that he operates like a hunter and he shoots lots of damage at things, and that's more or less what he does. Again, we'll go over Crunch a little bit later, but we do know uh, a good amount of models in the Apex keyword now. Uh, his totems are dudes called Runaways, which I guess are people that he is hunting for sport, which just makes him seem like the most upstanding kind of person. And they can run off the board, which will give Cooper benefits. Uh, he can kill them, which gives Cooper benefits. Or the enemy can kill it them and gives Cooper benefits. So, a uh, bit of a bit of a puzzle as far as uh, what to do with them. Along with that, he brings two doggos, the best boy and best girl in Uller and Artemis. I believe they are probably bloodhounds, some kind of hound. Some kind of dog. Uh, expensive dogs at six cost each. As well, we have Vitagi Huntsmen, which were the kind of artwork first revealed for Apex. I think that artwork actually came out before Cooper himself was revealed. Yeah, uh, we saw the guy with like the big knife. The big knife and kind of the beer guts and the pelt around his shoulders. I guess Vitagi is supposed to be a part of Russia, which makes me wonder why they're shirtless, but... Uh, there is a female version of the Vitagi Huntsman, which looks considerably different, at least to me. Obviously, probably can't have her be shirtless. That would be not tasteful. Along with that, we have the Crypsis Corps, which is a pair of mercenaries. They said there was two. I don't know if that means that that consists of those are the only actual models in uh, the only men in this corps, or if you're just only allowed to bring two. Um, they're, they're sniper dudes. Actually, sniper dudes like hide and wait for long periods of time out of sight and then shooting things. Model number nine. I, I, I like number. I like adding number in there. It's technically just model nine, but I like calling it model number nine. Uh, a stabby robot that looks surprisingly Abyssinian. Like, I would fully bet that his fluff comes out and either Cooper stole him or borrowed him from Abyssinia somehow. Mm, I didn't even think about that. That's a good thought. I see that, yeah. Nor did I. I was busy ogling its defense stat, being other than four. <laughs> um, and lastly, the Malasaurus Rex, which was a hot topic when that thing came out. It is a dinosaur that Cooper uh, failed to murder and instead decided to adopt. So, that's adorable. That is we call the, him Fluffy. Yeah, that is the only fluff I will accept. He was out to kill this... M- you know, massive beast, but instead learned the true meaning of friendship. <laughs> oh no! So, somehow, somehow it was like the the Teddy Roosevelt story where they like had it tied up, and he was supposed to just shoot it, and he was like, "No, I can't. It's too cute." <laughs> does that mean? Does that mean there are now going to be uh, stuffed di- stuffed dinosaur toys as a sudden trend in Malifaux? Yes. Yeah, likely. A hundred percent. Well. Yes. Here's the excellent reason why that's totally the case. Think of what happened last time a stuffed toy happened in Malifaux, and it uh, got no, no. angry. No. <laughs> okay, um, so we're just going over the aesthetics right now, and I guess a very general thought on gameplay. So what do you think about the Apex keyword? Uh, down the line, Roman first. I think they, like I expect most of the faction to be for probably the few first months after they're released, I think they're going to take some getting used to, and that's going to cause a lot of people to go, this is overpowered, this is too good. And this will definitely be a keyword 
where you have to watch how much terrain and what type is on your tables, because if you don't have enough terrain of blocking or dense, etc., they they're just going to shoot you off the table. Like there there is the possibility of that. Uh, now I don't think they're going to be plug and play to that extent, especially with their uh, what's it called Apex Predator, I think. With that ability, that provides a lot of flexibility and trickiness to how you can manipulate, uh, okay, I'm only going to do minimum damage to you, but I'm not caring about your concealing. And on top of Cooper handing out adversary, they, they play with positives and negatives in some interesting ways. And I think that's going to be the secondary part that people who learn to play them well are going to do a lot with. What is the name of that ability? Predatory Instinct. Thank you. All right, Nate. What do you think? I mean, I'm just Model Nine. I love it. I love this robot. This robot is Bay. So they had <laughs> they had three three printed the um, Apex models, and Model Nine is spindly enough that the uh, the 3D printer I think had a stroke. <laughs> like you see the general idea of what the model is supposed to look like, but it it. <laughs> At least that's what I saw on the stream. So I'm even more excited to see what this, how many pieces this dude comes in. I'm gonna bet 36. Okay. Yeah, like a hundred pieces for Model Nine. Let's do it. <laughs> Knife throwing robot. Okay, Samantha. I don't see quite as much ignores concealment as I expected. Cover isn't gonna help you. They have enough. Uh, cover ignoring as it is, but they can't ignore concealment without uh, leaning into that predatory instinct mentioned above. So if a hard-to-wound crew comes up against them, I think they're going to be taking, only going to be taking a lot of min damage. Uh, it's also generally a shooty crew, so I gotta be honest with you, I'm terrible at ranged, so uh, this is not going to be my crew, except for except for our spindly stompy bot there, because he's actually better in Close range. And the Rex. Well, the Rex is also going to run into the terrain problem repeatedly. I noticed on the live stream game how they had to leave the roads clear, not just to add some verisimilitude to the table, but to give Malasaurus Rex somewhere to go. Well, he ignores terrain. You can't, you can't stay in it, but he just moses over it, doesn't he? Sorry, You'll shoot. need to place the physical model on the table. Uh, come up, will you? Uh, he's unaffected by severe hazardous and can move okay. through models. Okay, so I can't so just leap over a building. She. Yeah. I'm a. I'm. I'm fully convinced it is a girl. I. I don't know why. Cause Sue. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's Sue. You're yeah. right. Dinosaur. Okay. Um, uh, moving on. I, I've been talking a lot, so Roman, why don't you uh, introduce our newly revealed master? So I can. I'm really surprised you're you're giving me this one. I'm, uh, I'm a little salty too, but I'm very, very excited. Actually, genuinely super excited. Yeah. So, uh, our our favorite used to think Arcanist spy heist crewmaster, the one, the only, the head of the Department of Ungentlemanly Affairs, English Ivan, who is <laughs> neither English nor named Ivan. I'm excited. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's without even getting into anything on his card. Like, I'm just... 
he was he's been around since first edition, and everyone's always said like we need him on the table, and we're finally there. Like that that by itself is enough to be excited about. Um, interesting things about him: we have actually two keywords: DUA, which is the Department of Ungentlemanly Affairs. It is not actually pronounced DUA, apparently. Might as well. Yeah, that, that's what people are going to call it. But I mean, it's you know. it it does double duty because yeah. It both stands for Department on Gentlemanly Affairs. And they specifically said that a theme in the crew is duality, so... Well, that's fair. I didn't consider the the actual pronunciation in that duality of purpose in that way. Very cool. But yeah, so you have the actual, the, the meaty people, presumably, <laughs> as they mentioned, uh, who will be your more... Again, I'm imagining, based on the fluff we know of him, your heist crew. They're going to actually get the work done, and then you have Umbra, who are your shadowy dudes, shadowy lads, uh, and they are what Ivan summons off of a trigger on his attack, which is very cool, and very. I'm, I'm really interested to see what fluff he has that takes him from where we've seen him previously in the, in the story to suddenly I summon shadow dudes. I need to go back and look over the, the, have you heard of the man of one and two that they posted in Waldo's Weekly a while back? Yeah, that's gotta be his origin. Yeah, it it really, I I need to go dig into that because I believe it had something about the, the man essentially defeated the Brocken. So I'm almost wondering if the Brocken Spectre uh, art that we saw in that poem is maybe one type of shadow dude and they were essentially lording over any of the other shadow people like the Deva that we've seen, and maybe the rest of them follow him because Ivan broke them out of some kind of, of prison or caste system or whatever was, was keeping them contained, however they were. I doubt it's that simple, but that would be cool. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Because we've seen the Brock Inspector artwork and the thing is definitely like chained down and sort of enslaved in a way but the artwork mm-hmm. for the deva has none of that technology on it that, that thing was like a control collar gone mad yeah when i'm i'm imagining based on what we've seen of uh one of the the department's operatives gibson who we've also seen in the the breachside broadcast episode on that by the way for anybody looking for it because I was looking for it for a good amount of time, and the name of the episode does not match up with anything you would think about. It's episode 30, for anybody looking for the the original story with Ivan, and as they're called then, the Wash House. Well, no, I mean, the name uh, on the door spe- still says Department of Ungentlemanly Affairs. That's true. Um, anyway, that's, that's episode 30, if you want to jump into that fluff. Uh, but Gibson, there as well as on the card that we've seen. He seems to be the tech guy. He's he's Q from James Bond, essentially. I'm thinking the tech that we've seen on the, the control collar for the Brocken is probably his work. As we stated, Ivan apparently summons off a trigger on his attack, which is unique and cool, but also puts him in a a unique situation as a summoner in that he is facing off. Part part of his actual summoning action is at the hands of your opponent. So 
and apparently, according to what Weird stated, for him to get out his most powerful summon, uh, he has to be targeting someone at a willpower matching his stat or above. So that sounds to me like you're probably going to hire those, hopefully, and then hope to get one out if you need it later. Admittedly, it just takes a 13 like any other strong summon does. That's fair, but I don't know about you. I don't like going into a game assuming I'm going to get that when I need it. Like, in hoping to get it for a, a regular summoner who maybe has some card tricks, whether it's cycling or, or whatnot, but you just need to hit that target number without cheating or without ha- worrying about an opponent cheating. Uh, whereas this time, if your opponent knows that, and you can only declare that trigger once per turn, if I'm your opponent, I know where I'm holding my Red Joker. But we'll, we'll see. That's, at this point, conjecture as to exactly what he can bring out and if it's going to be something you need to summon versus bring in. We'll see that down the road mm-hmm. when he's uh, revealed more, I guess. Other than that, we, we didn't see the card for this, but we did see his totem, Mr. Mordrake, who is literally his shadow, but creepier, which I love it, and is apparently going to be more melee-focused to Ivan's ranged attack. Should be fairly easy to take out, but... So he has a demise ability that will apparently hurt Ivan to allow Mordrake to come back, uh, which that combined with what we've heard about the rest of the generic ideas of the the umbra models using concealments as literally living shadows and being more of a an interference runners in the middle of everything taking hits and dishing them out while the the department models actually get work done i definitely see this as a i'm in my head seeing this as a heist crew and i love it of essentially you're going to bring in your department models based off what points you need to get based on their specialties. And then Ivan's going to be the big distraction in the middle of the board, putting out his summoners or his summons and just generally causing problems and having your opponent look in the wrong direction as the rest of his team gets to their objectives is kind of what I'm expecting to see here based off what they said. Okay. I mean, we can also mention Ava. They, they, they mentioned Ava. Ava was in the original story and they mentioned she was going to be a model. So we have the original three of the Department of Ungentlemanly Affairs. Uh, Ivan, who's obviously the leader, Gibson, the tech guy, and Ava, I would say she's probably the face of the crew. She's the manipulator, the... Uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for here? The uh, face is probably the, the good way of, of doing it. Okay. The diplomat. Okay. And that's all we really know about her, that and she has some kind of, like, whip that's an electrical cable or something. So maybe we'll see another range 3 model. Not sure. That'd be cool. Also, I totally jumped over the, uh, he wasn't an arcanist and this, the theory thing, so you can cover that. Yeah, I was going to get into fluff anyway, so. Okay, cool. Because I, I basically jumped over the things in the outline that I don't know. Okay, I'll save that for last, because that's my aha moment, maybe. Gotcha. Um, so we have Umbra, which is uh, the scientific term for the part of a shadow that is completely blocked off by whatever the opaque object is. Obviously, good name for shadowy lads. Uh, we know that at least he has one 
I would venture to guess that most, if not all, of the Umbra models are summonable. I guess, okay, I'm not going to make that assumption. I would assume at least the minions, though. Yeah, I could, I could probably see the minions. I, I don't know of any summoners that can't summon all of the minions in their keyword. Correct me if I'm wrong. What about the totem? Do you think that will end up summoned like a curio or hired? I, th- I think it's it's something because he doesn't. He's it doesn't sound like he's summoned. He just reappears after you hurt Ivan. So, hmm. I mean, you're technically not hiring him anyways. You're just he's free. So, I mean, if you, I would assume that that's the only way you can actually. And I could not bring him around, but I think the, the demise thing is going to be his thing, because you can either hurt Ivan in some way, we don't know what that is, or you can possibly summon off another model, I think, in a lot of cases you would choose to summon instead, because, I mean, Ivan's not very sturdy. He looks pretty fragile, so if you could avoid hurting him, I think you would, would in a lot of cases. Ah. Uh. But since we saw three images of the Deva, I would venture to guess the Deva are summonable. I'm not sure about the Brocken. That thing looks like an enforcer. So I mean, that big sp- spooky dude. So maybe not him. I don't know what else there is to summon. Obviously, that's all they've given us. But Ivan himself. Yeah, I, you know, I'll go into the Arcanist theory thing. So I was very taken aback by what it sounded like. The developer saying that Ivor never was actually associated with the Arcanists. And then I went back and read the story, and I don't believe that! Dang it. One, like, their secret base of operation is this giant clockwork structure that you would not be able to build in the Arcanist's backyard without a lot of effort from said Arcanist. He's obviously working for Ramos during this entire heist thing. He refers to their group as a movement, which Roman had, had mentioned that, like, if you're being a spy, you can lie and pretend to show support for, you know, whatever organization is hiring here. But this is in privacy with the other people in his group. So I genuinely think he was, at least initially, um, an Arcanist character. And, I mean, it fits because he's the only one that, like, He's the only espionage character, and that's something that the Arcanists don't really have. And it's something they would have, considering they're, like, you know, fighting with the guild for so first so long. But I have a theory as to why that is, so I believe it's more of a retcon than anything. Doesn't matter. I'm going to play the character. I think he's awesome. And we could just, we could technically just describe it as, hey, you know, he was Ramos's boy, and something happened to Ramos, so he just kind of split. I like that theory, but uh, let's see. Mr. Mordrake. Uh, Edward Mordrake is an urban legend of a guy who was born with a, like a, a face on the back of his head. And like whenever he was, whenever he was happy, the face was, was angry. And whenever he was sad, the face was happy. And one of those fucking weird things. So the fact that this is English Ivan's reflection and a more nefarious version of it makes a lot of sense. I, I really appreciate it. This is another little you know, fluff nugget for you people out there. It's It looks like a shadowy version of Ivan, but I will specify that it is technically his reflection. Because if you look, the, the giant symbol on his shoulder, the only way it could look like that for both of them is if you're staring in a mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think. 
This so. is getting this is getting description of description of uh, Fortune and Meridian kind of creepy there <laughs> with the two in one. Yeah, yeah, they did a really good job on the fluff here. I really, really appreciate it. So that, yeah, that is that's my thing. And here's the like actual theory theory as to why this happened. And obviously, Weird's never going to confirm or deny it. But I like how it kind of fits together. They had mentioned that original, or at least one of the ending ideas for the split factions was going to be a split between Arcanist and uh, the MNSU. And so, obviously, one of the uncreated characters from that faction, at least as far as I believe from that faction, would happen to be English Ivan. So say they were in development of making this split to have an 8th faction be MNSU or be Arcanist. I asked the eighth faction would have to be MNSU, and decide, yes, we're going to have English Ivan, he's going to be super cool, but then deciding, eh, no, actually, we're going to create the Explorers instead. Instead of just dropping the idea altogether, they just kind of kind of pushed him into the Explorers and said, and eh, he's actually an Explorers guy now. That's that's my, my you know, tinfoil hat theory on exactly what happened to get English Ivan into the Explorers society. But that's me. Okay, moving on. Um, we gotta look at Vernon and Wells. We know that we know of McKay being third master and Bass the fourth. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and repeat some of the like head cannons I've had, and then a few things that have been slightly confirmed. So we know syndicate is, syndicate is a keyword, and that the surveyors have it, as well as some new models that aren't in the faction you expect them to be. And Winston Finnegan. Winston Finnegan also has the the Syndicate keyword. Now, I am uh, 100% of the belief that Syndicate is uh, Condor Rails. And the reason I believe that is because it is basically the, the primo evil capitalist corporation kind of thing that I've been wanting for a long time, but also because their symbol is literally stamped onto the surveyors. So going off of that, I, I, I'll actually I'll, I'll talk about it later. So we know Syndicate has Surveyors, Winston Finnegan, and some other models we'll get to. Now we got kind of going off into completely un, unsubstantiated territory here, or at least I don't have as much proof for it. Now I think, and this is my best guess, that the reveal of Dr. Meredith Stanley might be one of these masters. And the reason for that being is that, obviously, we've, we've seen her, and that she has come up in that one newspaper reveal from, like, late 2019. And this is my hive mind theory. They blacked out part of the fluff for the Spell Eater, but there's enough in there to kind of hint at that there's some kind of, like, hive mind thing that's controlling this. And it's got the same, like, a number of eyes as that one book, dude. So I think those two are in the same keyword. And the article written by Dr. Meredith Stanley, or I think it's Dr. M. Stanley, in that, is that, hey, that thing you're all concerned about is, uh, it's fine, don't worry about it, continue to, uh, travel and, you know, spread this not disease kind of a thing. So I feel like she's kind of spreading whatever this uh, parasite hive mind thing is. That's that's my best guess. And, you know, finally get like a biologist thing that I kind of want. It's weird that they're I, they're not catering to me. Maybe it's just because what I want is is decent ideas. You know? Okay, anyways, 
Uh, Seeker is a keyword we've only seen on the surveyors. I have no freaking idea what that is. And we don't know what the eighth keyword is. And I honestly have no idea. The only model that we don't have a keyword for is Water Waterman. What, what's he called? Yeah. The big wet boy. The big wet boy. Yeah. <laughs> big wet boy doesn't have a keyword. He could be he could be versatile, but he doesn't seem that versatile looking to me. But I I, I don't I don't know. I feel like they've marked things versatile if they're versatile, though. So we have big water boy and probably not the master. So that's my guess for eighth. And one of these people is apparently a healing master and a lady. That's all we got from from the weird guy. So one of the one of the four remaining masters heals people and is a lady. So I guess that would maybe be Doctor Meredith if I'm correct. I could see a biologist healing people. Makes sense. Yeah. But oh yeah, I have it down here. Where does Tide Collar go? It's Tide Collar. Tide Collar is the name of it. Big Wet Boy. Big Wet Boy. Maybe Big Wet Boy is the master. <laughs> It's just, it's just water. Go up, go up against Sandeep and auto lose because somehow it's been flagged elemental. His, his, his name is Mr. Yeah. Moist, and he makes everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> Moist uh, man. Yeah, because I was a niche that was completely unfulfilled in Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have evil train guy, uh, spider lady, aka down with the sickness, seeker. Um, oh god, how do you... Because then there's like, do surveyors fit more of the aesthetic of Seeker, or do they fit more of the aesthetic of Syndicate? Because they're wearing, like, suits, I would assume Syndicate, but... Yeah, and I mean, they're surveyors, and it's Condor Rails, so... Yeah, 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 okay. In general, I feel like it leans towards Syndicate, but... I feel like if we get confirmed that Tide Color is in this 8th keyword. We already know more about that keyword than we do Seeker, despite knowing that Surveyors are in it. Yeah. And and one thing I want to point out, the designers mentioned, like, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was definitely a thing that they were looking at when considering Explorers. Oh, yeah, of course, because you have Alan Quartermain in McCabe. You have... Dorian Gray is definitely English Ivan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crap, what are the other I mean, ones? I'm oh, still saying, oh, like, you don't, th- we don't think- Nemo. Yeah! Yeah, like, Tide Color fits that, and I've been saying it this whole time. Ah! Like, it's, it's and here's the over in... with so, McCabe. Yep. Who's basically Captain Nemo. Yeah. Now, here's my my thought, is Seeker sounds like a thing that, that could maybe be Nemo-esque. It's very... Mm, you know, yeah. it's another way of saying Explorer, uh. but a little more mystical. Okay. Okay. I um, don't speaker. know because ne- Captain Nemo was uh, water and underwater, and the Seekers appear to be rocky. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the the surveyors appear to be rocky. Journey so I'm not sure that, kind of that goes together. Oh, please don't get my hopes up. <laughs> get them up, Doug. Just to be crushed. <laughs> uh, crushed the way to your own hope. Oh, man, I love speculating. This is great. Is oh. anyone else amused that Syndicate's Ability, uh, keyword ability seems to be the same as foundries. You get, work with railroads, you get price for progress. Foundries has oh yeah, that's that's Mayfang's. I think that's just on Mayfang. I think. Well, I guess price of progress could just be on the surveyors. 
Or the it's all Dylan Winston Finnegan. That's oh, why I'm okay. thinking it's keyword. Okay, yeah, and also I would I would assume that price price of progress sounds syndicate e more than it does seeker e. Yeah. Um, or uh, yeah. DUA e. Yes. Do it. Do we? Do we? Do we? Do we? What what other abilities are on their card? Maybe we can price suss out what seeker is from that. Hang on, price of progress on May must be from two e. I'm not seeing one on there currently. Okay, she's oh, got, shit, you're right. I mean, I know uh, she has a thing where she can generate a... So she already paid the price of progress, and to, now the syndicate does Yes, oh yeah, it is a, two, is a two-way thing. No, her thing is, like, she can just reduce the AV yeah, by yeah. two to get the suit. This is take damage? But I think that's a... I don't think that's a mistake. I think, because I remember she had a thing called price of progress, and I'm wondering, like, yeah, that's totally a railroad thing. I think that's a good call. Yay! Not like I needed any more confirmation. I mean, I can clear out, clear out the old mo- old rules from my head. Sorry about that. Like that. No yeah. like no, 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 no. We'll get into it, but I like I hundred percent know it's Condor Rails. Like without them specifically saying it, there's nothing you can say that will convince me that it's not Condor Rails. Let's get back to that. What's the surveyor? Surveyor. Mouth, it's a rock, uh, dude. It has. Oh, Something just, I've never seen before called Chronicle, but uh, is that, is everything that, it everything it does is encompassed by the by the word in parentheses geomancy. So what Chronicle is, I really don't know. I would I would we have something. Okay, so that's kind of like the the mantras. mantras. Okay, so like there's nothing on the card that's unique except for Price of Progress and Chronicle. So Price of Progress is probably Syndicate. Chronicle is probably Seeker, which gives me um, nothing to go off of as far as I what Seeker involves. The Chronicle bit is Aura is the healing, mm-hmm. because everything past the word heals it sounds like it applies to Geomancy because it's a marker. Oh. Would that make Seeker the healer crew? I think they specified Makes the Master sense. was Healy, but I mean, if it's if it's a crew based around healing, we don't have that, really. Yeah. I mean, if all you do is heal, that's got to be the most annoying thing to play against, but... Ugh, sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare's already <laughs> keyword. You know what's a big thing that people have explored for for forever? Fountain of Youth. Oh my god, yes. I would love... Was that Cortez? Ponce de Leon. Thank you, thank yeah, you. I probably butcher the... Uh, very very boisterous Spanish man, but I guess it would have to be the, the feminine version if it's the Healy Master. Okay, that's my headcanon until proven otherwise. Yep. Yeah, let's get some like, boob armor. As, as old and cranky as Abuela, <laughs> but still searching for the Fountain of Youth, and don't you dare call her Abuela, or she will have your head. <laughs> yeah, I was checking the back of the card because it might just be like a, a common action, but nothing in here makes any sense for like a keyword action. Yeah. It, it's, it's all surveyory rock man. Or, or chain gang because they have chains. Because they have change. Chains. Change. Okay. Enough speculation. Moving on to what else is involved. Uh, starter boxes. Hooray. So they, the other, I think the other really big announcement is that we're getting starter boxes for all eight factions. Heck yes. I'm one of those. Fantastic. I guess you can probably squee over this, like the one, the one everyone seems really, really excited about. Nate, what is that? Uh, the Bayou Bash box! Yay! They're all riders. Sorry, what? They're all riders. 
<laughs> See, I was an, under the impre- initially under the impression that it was going to be like the second edition starter, where it would be like a henchman, an enforcer, and two minions. But one, I can't really see any of those Bayou Bash models standing out as a henchman or an enforcer. And two, they wow. confirmed that the Explore Society has two henchmen in it, and I would assume the yeah. helpful prospects or minions. So At least that- one of them has to be a henchman, because you're supposed to be able to put it on the table, play henchman hardcore immediately. Yeah, they specified that you could play hardcore with it. So I imagine, again, because he's front and center, I imagine it's the one on the chicken. Oh, the big red cock the guy's joking. Yeah, as you do. Like, I look at that and I was like, that's just a visual but, bet, terrible joke. And he's yeah, literally choking I, it with barbed wire, a big, big red naked chicken. So I wonder if the rest of them are enforcers, because they're all different steeds. Well, the test subjects are wildly variant. That's yet true. They still have the same block. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I wonder if you could play Marlena with these guys, because she rides too. Oh. Yes, please. <laughs> Oh, God. No, I have the worst idea. They're all henchmen. <laughs> yeah. My, still my thought, still I, valid yeah. hardcore crew. I, I, would, I would honestly expect a henchman and three enforcers, but I don't know. Maybe. Or it could be a henchman, three minions. It'll be, it'll be something wildly, like, swingy that way. Like, it'll be, like, henchmen Wild. and everything else is the same as, you know. Masters. Wildly inappropriate. Um, hey, wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> Henchman three masters. <laughs> but they're, hey, they're like, I cost sure seven I masters. Separate, I sure I saw a separate art of, like, a Silurid being ridden by an entire yep. Gremlin family, but I don't see that anywhere on here. I saw it somewhere, too, but I'm pretty sure it's that's the other one that's in the box. Maybe they just I know exactly what you're talking about. They picked ones that would be specifically good to re- have in the starter box, and then... If you really want the the family one, then you'll have to buy the board game, which they said was still coming out. Yeah, but obviously now is not a good time to release a board game. You have to play in person. You know. Yeah. No, no. I actually like how this is going. You're selling the models separately for those of us who need models. They'll be able to sell a board game with flat tokens and probably drop the costs down considerably. This works. Yeah. I realize they're oh, kind of going back on their whole thing about the other side is going to be 100% separate from Malifaux. It's like, the starter's a good way to kind of pull people in from Malifaux that weren't initially enamored with the other side. And same goes with Bayou Bash. Can't wait to get my yeah. hands on that game. Yes. So we saw an, a starter box for the Explorer Society, which included uh, Mr. Nagatoro and... They mentioned that, yes, that name is located in the books, and I don't know if he's in there specifically, but I know the Nagatoro sisters are the two people, two, three, I don't know, sister, they said sisters, are the, the, the folks that initially defeated Haromatangi, so I'm assuming he has some mm. sort of connection to that dragon thing. He very looks like a, like a Maori, New Zealander kind of dude, which I like. I really like that aesthetic that kind of thing um as as a rugby player oh, and Mo- moana is my favorite disney bat. film too what sorry oh he, the guy who's wielding thing that looks like a cricket bat yes that's okay. presumably voiced by the rock hopefully and the and the melifo uh novelization on um audiobook yeah now that's a, that's like a traditional maori weapon i don't know the name of it but it's basically just a club 
Then there is, um, God, I always forget his name. I call him Ink Fingers because that's his nickname. Yet another model, another person from In Defense of Innocence, Weird Can't Get Enough of Making These Models into M3, into Malifo, uh models. You're going to make me sit down and actually read that, aren't you? Yeah, he's a cartographer, so he likes maps. I'm assuming some sort of scheminess. They did say he's chatty, though, so I'm assuming he has the chatty aura. So he's a scheme. Oh, yeah, and he has like a name, name like Tannen, because somebody was making a joke yeah. about are all Tannen's Tannenbaum, chatty. Uh, Christopher Tannenbaum. That's it. Thank you. I think I wrote that down, too. I did. Christopher Tannenbaum. Hooray. Um, and, and hopeful prospects, which are just nice gentlemen with mustaches, and I think they're carrying guns. They look like they should be voiced by Nigel Thornberry. Probably. Both of them. Yes. Smashing! And then the Good other... Show. And then the other, like... Th- this is my, like, solid confirmation that it's gotta be Condor Rails. And that is the, the Outcast box, surprisingly enough, has the Syndicate keyword on it. And these what? fine gentlemen look very, very similar to... Okay, well, one of the gentlemen, specifically... Uh, looks very, very similar, and I mean similar as in looks exactly like the stat block for a one Catalan Rifleman from the Iktomi Shuffle Penny Dreadful. And in fact, it is, I went and looked, and it's the exact same guy for the original Catalan Rifleman artwork in the Through the Breach core book, just in a different uniform. And lo and behold, the uniform is bearing the symbol of the Condor Rails! Oh, and in the Iktomi Shuffle, specifically Condor Rails has hired a good chunk of the Catalan Corps to defend one of their stations. So I wonder who the Syndicate keyword is. No idea. Fight me. You've got it. You've cracked the code. <laughs> so based on, based on knowing it's Condor Rails, does that give you... Or are there any Through the Breach characters or mentions of who runs them that might give you an idea excellent excellent setup roman thank you for remembering me telling you to do that um the only person they have (laughs) by name in the fluff is a guy called yannick waller and so if we assume that there's one henchman in that box that would be the best guess which is kind of weird because the guy in the middle looks really scrawny and to be fair i have no freaking idea what the dude on the left looks like that all the stuff talk about Catalan is only about the rifleman, and he doesn't have a gun. He's a punchy boy. Not saying they can't like expand out to hire punchy boys as well as shooty boys, but this is this is this, I don't have an answer for that. But I would venture to guess scrawny man in the middle is probably the henchman Yannick Yannick Yanni, and the right is definitely a rifleman, and I would assume we'd get more than one of them. Also, he looks exactly like John Bernthal. So I, I was actually meaning, given that you are one of <laughs> oh, the, the keyword for Syndicate is Condor Rails. Is there anybody from Condor Rails in Through the Breach that oh, you yeah. would think of? Uh, actually, no. Not, not Through the Breach. Or at least I don't have any of the supplements that point to that, but we obviously know who runs it from the Neverborn book. So I'm assuming if, if Winston survived that uh, party at the Star Theater, What's-His-Face probably survived too. Mm. So I would venture to guess, ah, oh, man, what 
Does anyone have the Neverburn book on them? I'm not sure where mine is. Give me a couple minutes. Okay. Yeah, I can also start that process. I mean, it could be like some sort of lieutenant that's the master, but if we're going, it's the only name we have, and that's like the guy who runs Cotmore Rails. So that's what we're going to go with as far as big old guesses are. And it's not like they don't tend to reach out to Fluff to find people. So I would venture to guess if he's not the master, then maybe another henchman. Maybe there's, like, someone pulling the strings of this evil corporation, and that's our master, but... The train has become sentient. It now rules. <laughs> it is just, it's a real golem. It's a real golem that's a master. Yep. It broke free. It became. It went through the breach one too many times. It's, it's and now it's just marched off and de- demanded new employment with Condor Rails, smashing any guild guardsmen who tried to tell it otherwise. It's just two dudes on one of those pump push cart things, you see? <laughs> that's the master. Okay, while well, you guys are doing that, that's all we have for, like, fluff stuff, so uh, like we promised, we'll go ahead and get into Crunch a bit. Um, the only people we really have any information on crunchiness for is Apex and a little bit of little bit of uh, Dua Umbra. Um, so I'll go ahead and just start off. Generally, um, if you weren't aware, uh, we've said it multiple, several people have said it. Okay, he's a hunter. Lord Sorry, Lord Justinian Roosevelt Cooper <laughs> is a big game hunter with a big gun, and he shoot them good. And all of his crew are people that either help him with hunting, or I guess in one case something he couldn't kill and decide to adopt. It seems pretty straightforward. Like, there doesn't seem to be a lot of shenanigans. It is, keep things at arm's length by throwing in stuff that will trip it up. Like, the dogs and Model 9 have an ability where they don't give out friendly fire. Or at least the dogs have that innately, and then number 9, Model model 9, has ability that lets them do that. So I feel like it's just tying stuff up with those models somewhat. And the Rex. I think the Rex has, again, another thing similar to that. So I guess that's like a sub-theme. is like, you have a lot of melee models that don't have a detriment to your characters lots of lots of adversary if i recall correctly he can just innately give out adversary to one model a turn uh, if you kill one of the runaways you get adversary i re- i believe so sub theme with adversary but yeah it's, it's mostly like killing folks i didn't see much scheminess a little bit of movement tricks but i believe they specified that those are like, a good way to put those to use is to either shove the Rex into combat or shove Cooper out of combat. Because I feel like one of the ways to shut him down is to engage him. He cannot use his three five seven damage gun and instead has, like, a two three four machete that's pretty pathetic compared to the gun. So it's going to be a back and forth of trying to keep him out so he can shoot things twice a turn. And your opponent's just trying to tie him up with what they can and keep that stuff alive. And on top of that, he has this ability that prevents him from disengaging. So all the more so his models need to be able to pull him out. Um, I would put him on the... I think he's a good introductory master. He see, Nothing seems like super duper complex. He's He can be competitive, but it's not going to take a lot of time and research to get him going to an effective level. He's kind of like... Let's say he's like the Lady Justice of this faction. Yeah, I can see that. 
And the theme's cool enough to draw people in, I think. It's a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, it's the one with the dinosaur. Come to Malifaux, we have a dinosaur. He's got tentacles. She's got tentacles. Um, also, the name in the Neverborn book attached to Condor Rails is Aukaman? A-U-C-A-M-A-N? Do they have a first name? Nope. Okay. M- Mr. Aukman. Gerald Aukman. He's Gerald now. <laughs> that sounds like a good name for a CEO, right? Yeah. Okay. Gerald Aukman, folks. Definitely. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> okay. Um... Thoughts, thoughts on thoughts on the uh, the Apex gameplay style. I got, I'll finish up what I'm thinking. Like I'm most interested in the Vitagi Huntsman and the Crypsis Core because they seem the the most shenanigan-y type stuff. I realize the dogs, Uller and Artemis, uh, got us on the hunt. What is Uller's Uller's Nordic um, skis and the bow? Okay, so kind of hunting themed. I guess both of them are hunting-themed, yeah. or at least... I've always seen Artemis pictured with a bow in either pop culture yeah. or references to actual mythology. So, hunting dogs have hunting name references. There you go. Wild. These dogs are really good at barking, I might say. <laughs> like, really good at barking. Definitely a hound dog, then. Boo. Um, but back to it, the... the One, the Vitagi Huntsman has a freaking bear trap launcher on their gun. I guess it's like an underbarrel thing or something? Oh, that. by the way, that I, I got into a heated debate back when that artwork came out, because it looked like a crossbow. I was wrong. It is not a crossbow. It's apparently not even a, a rifle. It is a, it's a pistol. It, it, it's a with pistol. a bear trap launcher attached. With a bear trap yeah. launcher <laughs> Okay, when is Ma Tuckett going to steal this tech? Uh, I was actually just going to say, the more I'm looking at this crew, the more I'm feeling like you're not wrong that it's this faction's Lady J, but it's also this faction's Ma Tucket. Yeah, because like, there are a lot of similarities. You know what? You know what, Nate? Wild theory yeah. here. They stole it from Ma Tucket. <gasps> Scandal! No one would expect to steal from the thieves. And no one no one will believe them. No one will believe the, the gremlins. <laughs> so, the bear trip... You know what? Your- yes. Yes. This is perfectly plausible. Only the gremlins would come up with a bear trap launcher. Yep. In the first place. It was Sparks. He only made one. And didn't <laughs> write the plans down. And the, the huntsman just took it. And he's like, well, crap. You know, actually, I, I fully believe this story. I feel like Sparks was, I don't know, minding his own business. And then he saw Samuel Hopkins doing his job. <laughs> he's like, you know what? The guy spends like a good couple of seconds putting the gun away and bringing out the bear trap. What if gun shoot bear trap? Right? Yeah. And then <laughs> he got a to lot work. Easier. Bring back the bear trap, weird. Okay. Um. And then the Crypsis Core was the other thing because it's like actual stealthy shooter dudes, and they got this thing where you you know they can shoot you if you pass over like a line that they set up. They said their inspiration from this was was XCOM. And, mm. yeah, it's kind of like yeah, an evolution yeah. of that stand-and-shoot ability where, like, they're snipers, they're supposed to be lying in wait, but in this, the way the turn-based action game thing works, you can't normally just take someone's take over someone's turn to shoot at them. And so they change it up so that, in fact, you can do that if they, you know, wander into the Crypsis Corps' sites. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, gameplay, guys. Thoughts? Ideas? Ways to break the game? I mean, ways to break the game. Just, like, ten dinosaurs. According to some people, <laughs> the fact that they exist is uh, apparently enough to break the game. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> yeah, the dinosaur... I think a lot of people are expecting just a raw damage dealer, but it's not really that. I mean, a 3-4-5 damage track isn't bad. But obviously, like, friggin' Lord, <laughs> Lord Justinian, Mickey Mouse, Cooper, <laughs> does more damage than the dinosaur does. But he's got some, some fun stuff, like the tail whip being able to push people around and give staggered, the, the tentacles... The lashing tendrils, being able to move things around and then getting a getting an attack off of that in a trigger. Yeah, a little bit more moving around and tricksiness than I think a lot of people are expecting from a dinosaur. Well, on, on top of that, it's it's beefy. Like, look at the front of its card. The, it's 12 wounds. Yeah, 12 wounds, hard to wound, terrifying 12. Like, you have that, and then you have Model 9, which is armored. And I think Cooper is too, isn't he? Armor one, yep. I wouldn't call the Malosaurus Rex too, ar- too sturdy because that's a similar setup as the Desolation Engine has and those things fold if you look at them funny. But that they have different types of durability in the same crew will certainly help as you can't bring tech against everything. That was exactly where I was going with this. The crew has layered varied defenses. Between that, between like the the Crypsis Core having stealth and doing weird things with with terrain around them, like Samantha just said, you're not every time your opponent declares Apex. I think you're going to have to take a bit of a gamble on which flavor of Apex build they're going to bring in order to correctly build your crew to kind of deal with it, because like. If someone says, hey, I'm bringing Apex, if you bring something that ignores Ruthless, that's the, the Rex is going to fold much more easily than if you don't. Uh, or by the same idea, ignores Hard to Wound. Like, okay, I will go ahead and drop a, a decent card to get around the Terrifying if I can know I can, can put decent damage on you, etc. But ultimately, I, I think that Rex is there to tie people up uh, with that Tail Weapon Territorial ability. Oh yeah, territorial is nice too. Yeah, I see it. Honestly, it just has a better stat block than the Deso engine. Got one more defense, which I feel like a difference of defense between five and four isn't the end of the world, uh, unlike some people say. But three and four it seems even more significant than than that. Two more wounds, and they can get into combat a lot better. I don't think there's a lot of pushing in Amalgam or uh, Outcast in general, but. There's a good amount of it in Explorers, from what I've seen. So you would uh-huh. actually be able to shove the dinosaur in there sooner. It's also worth mentioning that while the dino only has a 3-4-5, like that, that's nothing to sneeze at, uh, it can also potentially get that attack off three times in a turn if it gets the trigger on its bonus action attack with the, the tentacles. So, and, and if you use your predatory instinct for a positive on the tendrils attack, you're more likely to get that ram. So you can do, oh. I'm not going to say easily, but less difficult, with less difficulty than some other things, you can do min nine damage between three attacks with this thing. Oof. 
Oh yeah, and the territorial is the thing that gives out crows, right? Or is that another yeah, ability? Which, no, that's uh, no, that's wild hunt. Okay, that's wild the, hunt. Tactical. That's but that so gives you crows, which enables model nines execute. Which you know, no big deal there, right? No big deal. Executes fine. As, as well as Cooper's crow, Lord Cooper. Excuse me. Uh, what's no? His what's his full crow, name? What's his full name, Roman? Come on, Lord Justinius. You already said Roosevelt. I said Tim. Yeah, I guess we never discussed Cooper's triggers on that. I think put down is the scariest thing on there. It is. Ignoring hard to kill yeah. abilities is, is real good. That said, he has built in, you were talking about how they scheme, he has built in on his gun Trophy Hunter, which is after killing an enemy, you drop a scheme marker into base contact with the target at 14-inch range. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's nice, but like having a scheme marker in enemy territory, probably amongst other enemy models, is not the most ideal. I, I feel like it's going to be situational because they have to be in the right spot, and they're not necessarily always going to be in the right spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, think about it. If he's... What would that even be? 22... If he's like a walk, and maybe some change outside of a standard deployment zone, and shoots your... Whatever your, your little model is in the back, maybe sitting by your uh, corrupted ley line target, or just sitting in the back to support things. If he shoots that end of turn two, and you have one of the hunting dogs or somebody get up into their deployment zone, suddenly you got breakthrough without really looking like you were going for breakthrough. Fair. So it, it's it's going to be scheme dependent for sure, but there's not many things that can... In fact, I don't know of any other thing off the top of my head that can put out scheme markers at 14-inch range plus the width of whatever its dead target's base is. I mean, long? (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Fair point. Long just needs to see. He's got you there. Okay. He he does have me there. But yeah. Besides Wong's ability to just look at a spot and put a marker, yeah, it's that much range is, yeah. Please nerf Wong, is what we're saying. (laughs) No! Hey, I got a nerf, and I didn't deserve it. I think. Yeah. Outside of that, I do think, looking at the rest of the, the cards from the the game that they broadcast, I think most of the standard scheme ability is going to come from the hunting dogs. Because they are they have fast, tricky movement ability. Doggos. Okay. They actually, pr- uh, one of them has freaking by your side. Damn it. Yep. Meh. <laughs> Yeah, so they can they can pair up. Oh, okay, so that's what you do. Alright, simple enough tactics. You put the runaways where you need to, and you just effing kill them. You get the scheme marker right away, you get a soul stone oh, yeah. deck. You, you treat them as enemy models, it's on the, the runaway card, so. And, you know, you're min three, but however, you can just give yourself a negative, because they're relenting anyways. Uh, they can't relent versus enemies, or versus Cooper, can they? They Cooper treats them as enemies. They do not treat Cooper as an enemy. Oh, it says cannot run. Never mind. Never mind. Still, I mean, like you only got to hit him for moderate, or they have to take one damage elsewhere. It's still relatively reliable. And then yeah. they can they can walk, walk, call for help to just get that shot off and kill him right away without your opponent being able to react. Yeah, that seems like a decent strategy. 
hey, maybe you could sc- <laughs> maybe you could actually score uh, Runic Binding with this. <laughs> I don't know why everybody hates on Runic Binding. I've I, had no trouble. You play you play Colette, though, don't you? That's fair. I mean, like you could score it by by yourself with the uh, mechanical rider, but let's not talk about that guy so they don't nerf him. Girl, sorry. Okay. Um. Any other any other thoughts, like mechanically or like ideas that might be really cool, crunchy wise? With good God, Model Nine Defense Six with Armor Two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Model he's, Nine he's, is the beast. He's hitting for little, but accurately. He's kind of a Kandara type fight. Mean, throwing knives, obviously. So metal Kandara. Yeah. And the model. I did I say what I? Yeah, I said that it's. Abyssinian. It looks Abyssinian. Did I say that on this recording? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Said that Never mind. I will. I will shut up. All right. Okay. Moving on. The only other like crunchy thing we saw was was just English Ivan's card, and we have Gibson Dewalt's card. So from that, what can we suss out about possible Dua playstyle? Dua Dua Umbra. I'm just gonna call him Dua because that's faster than Dua. Sorry, it works still. Because they're clever, those developers. Roman kind of already pointed out, it's a summoner, kind of squishy, unique summoning in that it requires your enemy to fail a duel. However, it is the only summon where you can technically get out your most powerful summon with a one. Rarely ever going to happen, but it can you're... happen. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. No, I'm not wrong. So yeah, that, you need a thirteen to force it through, but you're often not going to be needing to force it through, or either that, or your opponent is just going to burn out all of their good cards to fight it off. Yeah, and then it, you have three AP, so you could possibly just go for the biggest summons with a model that has. You said a, you said the stat right, so that's a stat six. So they would need a willpower of six. So you could go for that, you know, big score, burn out their good cards, and on the third AP, be like, you know, I'm just going to summon off this uh, this five willpower guy over here. I don't need the big thing. And now you're out of your good cards. Have we seen any evidence of injured in uh, either of these keywords? Um, uh, pit traps. Yeah, Apex has a little has a little injured. So does the does the Rex put it out? The Rex puts it out. No, uh, Model Nine does. Mighty, mighty model, was... mighty model number nine. <laughs> yes, leave leave, uh, leave little love potion number nine alone. Uh, I was trying to get injured in, into English Ivan's crew to uh, lower the card requirement mm. for getting out his summon. Yeah, I can see that. That's yeah. a that's a good idea. I mean, nine's not bad. No one is expecting. Considering he said that. The DOA is squishy models, and I don't think shadows are going to have armor. No one is probably going to expect armor when you bring uh, Ivan. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you are, like, the emissary becomes ubiquitous, because it's a good model. I guess we haven't talked about the emissary like, at all, tactically-wise, but nah! Armor 1, defense 7, with hard to kill. <laughs> and by your side, and take the hit. It's a defendy boy. And and we we figured the Bellhop Porter's probably going to have armor because he's a construct, and that might be the best model in the game. It's probably the best model in the game. Let's 
so that could be in every explorer crew too and we could have another arcanist situation where you just you bring anti-armor to you know just to cover your base yeah i i am so excited for that model now because i really hope that the the luggage he has comes in individual pieces not like yeah. so i can just put all the put all the briefcases and suitcases and crap on the ground and have the bellhop por- porter flipping a double deuce and whoever t- <laughs> told him what to do. <laughs> so, another uh, of Ivan and Gibson that we've seen. And the Matt and Kyle uh, talking about how the crew is essentially very dual purpose. Light versus dark kind of an idea. Uh, looking at their ungentlemanly affairs ability, I think oh, they're going to play a lot with flipping negatives to positives. Uh, from Concealment Distracted Friendly Fire. Good, yeah. So read, I could... Read the what? whole thing? Sure. Uh, Ungentlemanly Affairs, this model treats negatives from Concealment, Distracted, and Friendly Fire as positive. Oh, damn. Yeah. yeah that. I, even, I even create shadow markers. And uh, apparently the Umber Boys will have a Concealment Aura around them. So yes. I think you summon in, you, you throw down a, a, a marker... To start draining their hands and maybe give out a couple damage off there. But then you also shoot through that marker so your attack is at a positive. You summon so that now they're stuck in concealment, not only to your benefit, but anybody on their crew that is trying to do a helpful attack of some sort is going through concealment to hit their own guy. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's only helpful to you. I think they're yeah. going to play around with that. That's, if I'm right about that, this crew is going to be super fun to play, and it's going to force you to kind of wrinkle your brain a little bit to play against them, because it's it's taking some of the the kind of standard things you think about and flipping them on their head. Oh, goodness. Okay, so if he can remove one of the positives, a positive to gain a... I guess we should specify that the summon trigger is a double crow suit? Mm-hmm. And he can get one crow by removing a positive from his attack. And I feel like you're almost always going to be on positives. Yeah. Because the, if he's summoning things that can generate concealment, and he can also generate markers that give concealment, and DeWalt can also generate the markers that give concealment. I feel like there's going to be a lot of concealment on the board. And the nice thing about concealment is that you just have to have one sightline pass through it, and then whatever's behind it, at an infinite distance, has concealment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's going to be very difficult not to have that positive, like at all times. So you can sacrifice that. Said, yeah. What? Go ahead. I was going to say that said, uh, because his runic siphon attack, where this trigger is coming off of, is not a projectile, he cannot turn a negative from friendly fire into a positive. So he won't innately get double positives by shooting through concealment into uh, melee with his umber boys. Uh, probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 like, that would be too easy. But also, like, I mean, that's better because otherwise he would be SOL if something engaged him. So, mm. worthwhile trade-off, honestly. Don't these what, move four? <laughs> oh my! Yeah, look at his his bonus action shade step. It's essentially a a leap that's limited to going to concealing terrain. Okay, but still, like, I feel like. English Ivan just innately should be able to walk at a normal pace. 
something must have really bad have must have happened to him. I guess he also has the Umber keyword, so he is a Shadow Man as as well. Yeah. Oh, that's a sculpt idea. Um, the other the other thing I'm wondering, looking at his single crow trigger of Shadow Pen, which we've seen elsewhere on like I think Masaki models mostly of if they're within if the target's within or has concealment or is within a few inches of a friendly shadow marker uh they suffer plus one damage and gain staggered i'm wondering then based off his other tactical action that does a move duel i'm wondering if we'll be seeing some move duels on staggered opponents to to play around with that kind of uh, um, manipulation of your opponents does this shockwave target that uh, his shockwave also does move as well. Yep. So yeah, Gibson? I feel like Gibson also targets move. I think so. Is a firefly? I think it is. Yeah. Cool. So maybe a bit of tacking into a, like a sub theme of staggered. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of getting that feeling. Which would honestly work really well for. Again, I think of them as like a heist crew. It's like, I don't necessarily have to get there faster than you. I just have to muck up your your gears and your works for me to get the job done. Yeah, I feel like... I I don't want to say I'm disappointed in him. I know there's only so much space on the card, but I'm a little sad that doesn't seem to be a whole lot of espionage on Ivan's card himself. Yeah, I can, I can see that. But, but, you know, this bit, choosing beggars kind of a thing. I'm yeah. still ecstatic he's here. I, I would imagine we'll see more of what we're seeing on his card and why it's there over more espionage stuff. Yeah. I imagine we'll see that once we get new fluff. Yes. Um, give us, give currently us a, based on... Give us a rule number one ability or... A, or it, exactly. <laughs> My number one rule. That's the one thing I was surprised not to see on this. Uh, <laughs> man, I hope... Like, I realize sustaining shadows heals him too. Oh, other. Never mind. So he doesn't heal two when he activates. Look at Dark Deception, though. I realize that, but like you have that kind of puts him in a spot where he has to be near these things at all times. Otherwise, I feel like he's just going to melt. Eleven wounds and no uh, sort of defensive tech outside of Dark Deceptions. Remove a friendly shadow marker within two inches to reduce damage to zero. So not quite as good as like what. Jackdaw has because uh, Irreducible will still kind of screw him up. But yeah, I feel like you need to build a nice little nest of shadow markers for him to stay in. And that's like, if you bring something with Blow It to, blow it to Hell, that might be some big pain for him. Yeah. Um, but it does seem like there's a decent amount of marker to, markers to put out, so I don't know. Um, we'll see what the rest of the crew does. Um, at the very least, you can always just bring Gibson and just smack him with a wrench twice to keep him keep him topped off because yep. he is a friendly umber model yes thank goodness Hawk. anything else interesting on gibson sad we don't see ava yet but i can wait oh tools for the job was nice blinded by the light oh it's river it's not reverse it's like side of the same coin kind of distracted thing oh hang on that that i think is how you get your your big summons oh, off. Oh yes. Oh, that's how you do that. Okay. Yeah, 
It's the setup, then the takedown. There okay. you go. Blinded by the light. After an enemy model within six inches is targeted by an attack action, this model may reduce the value of the target's distracted condition by one to have the target suffer a negative to any duels made to resist the action. Oh. So Only if they have dis- the distracted? Either. Yeah. So it's well, it's it's distracted, but instead of reducing their attack, you're reducing their defense, which is probably worse. It's worse distracted. Um. um but that said, Gibson has two ways to potentially hand out distracted at that range. Direct attack, the chromatic aberration, and his shockwave from the firefly. Yeah, or he can just use chromatic aberration on Ivan and give him focused. Yep. he's a Ivan's a friendly um, umber model within one inch of himself. That is accurate. Um, Speaking of ranges, I'm impressed that Ivan can just flick conditions... All the way across the table. Don't even need to target. Don't need line of sight. Just here. I'm the target of focused, but my beaker 20 inches away could probably use it better. Oop, there you I, go. I feel like Mordrake's going to stick around him because every time Mordrake dies, he just gets, he pops up next to Ivan. And Ivan yeah, doesn't maybe. have a lot of punchiness. I guess Mordrake's supposed to be punchy. But Mordrake only has five wounds. So Yeah. So you're going to want him in that, that healing bubble. Presuming he's an Umber model, I'd be surprised if he's not. That would be very weird, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. The the Black Mirror, Samantha, is, is definitely that, that rangelessness is... The fact that that's there makes me think that the, the Black Mirror is not going to be on too many other models. Because, yeah, if he could just be like, oh, I, I summoned an Umber dude however many inches up, I think they're going to be on fire instead of me. I, I doubt this is going to be something widespread. It seems mastery to me. For sure. Yeah. I guess I didn't follow through on that on that logic. I, I, I thousand percent believe Mordrake has Black Mirror on him because he's a mirror image of Ivan. Yeah, I could see that. And since they seem okay. to be sharing things like health, at least partially, throw that on him. Maybe, maybe. Like, if, if the uh, Brock Inspector is a big, beefy... Um, enforcer maybe him as well I can't I can't see Ivan being able to summon something with Black Mirror because that seems too powerful uh, yeah. maybe anyways <laughs> um what was it what else penumbral converter there's your espionage yay okay then we've got some we got some espionage I'm happy I'm a happy duck I was already a happy duck okay cool um Blah, 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 blah. Any, anything else? Any things we can glean? Us being the not fluff people? I mean, the not crunch people? No? Okay. It's been, we've been recording for a while anyways. So, um, uh, any final words, folks? Roman? I want Ivan in a way that makes me want to attach to this podcast for the weird group. The gif of Stephen Colbert just doing the grabby hands and going, Give it to me! Gib. Uh, Nate. Hmm. You just just waiting for your your big red naked cock? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Thank you, weird, for for giving us that uh, just tasteless joke just, in a model. Just <laughs> looking for a big plucked cock <laughs> with a guy resting on top of it. I am ch- I'm a child. All right, uh, Samantha. <laughs> Oh no question. Uh, I've got to go with the with the bo- box of random Bayou Bash uh, because not because of the rooster riders, but just because of the whimsy of all the rest of it. Oh, it's all but whimsical. something sufficient. There's something sufficiently silly in front of me, and I will buy it. 
Yes. Uh, do you own the entire Bayou faction? I just got zip. Yay! Okay. I was going to call you a liar. Whimsy! <laughs> I needed something. Okay. I needed something happy to play. I figured pianos are happy things. They are, they They've are been very, great. They are for me. Things. Okay. Not so much for the opponents, maybe. Well, I think that does it for us. That was, that was a good amount of stuff. Um, thank you for listening, and as I always say, fun is always king. Enjoy the next few months while we wait for The Explorers to come out in November. Uh, love you guys! Bye! 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 Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.